0: Hey guys, Amanda and Tara here. Hope everyone is hanging in there during this difficult and crazy
1: time. So before we launch our third episode, we just want to note that we did record this episode way back in February, before it became clear how severe the impact of the coronavirus would be. The rom-com we talk about stars Tom Hanks, who is a national
0: treasure, and we're so glad he's feeling better. We call him Tom Hanks throughout the episode, but to be clear, we use that as shorthand for his character, and we're poking fun at the character and not him,
1: obviously, because we love you, Tom. The rom-com also focuses on a small, independent bookstore that goes out of business. If we come across as nonchalant about it, it's because the movie takes it very lightly. But we know a lot of small businesses are struggling right now, and we want them to know we take it seriously, we see you, and we support you.
0: This episode talks a lot about the benefits and pitfalls of online communication. The horror movie we discussed takes place completely on a computer screen, which is very real right now. And if you enjoy horror, could be one to watch with friends remotely for an extra terrifying experience if you don't like sleep. We are both self-isolating right now and will be remote until it's safe for us to
1: be together in person. If you can stay home, please do it. And while you're home, let's all do our part to support small businesses. I mean, who doesn't love ordering takeout? I hear it goes great with podcasts. And thank you to everyone working in healthcare and all essential industries. We appreciate you. When having sex means definite death It's happily ever slasher When he says it's a good guy It's probably a lie It's happily ever slasher cabin in the woods has a four-star rating but the murder scene will be devastating It's coming on too strong. there might be something wrong it's happily ever slasher the podcast hello i'm tara and i'm amanda and this is happily ever slasher the podcast about two very different movies with one thing in common
0: Today we're talking about the 1998 rom-com You've Got Mail
1: and the 2014 horror film Unfriended. That's right, folks. We're tackling all the things that can go wrong on the internet. And we're going to talk about the horror movie, too. Don't worry. Can I just say I love 90s movies about the internet? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I love them.
0: Hackers, The Net, that one scene in Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise finds
1: an international arms dealer on Bible.com searching Job. I feel like I am very, um, uneducated and unexperienced in this genre. I can picture, like, the technology for Miss Congeniality, <laughs> where they just put her in different outfits and like see what... Coolers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Well, I will show you the way. Thank you. Thanks. I do like, um... Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. She's like a badass witch, but also a computer scientist, and I think that's the greatest combo of all time.
0: The episode where she gets stuck, or she dates a demon that is stuck in a computer.
1: <laughs> Haven't we all? <Aww. laughs> <laughs> that's what being ghosted is. <laughs> I feel like it's modern day dating. It's a metaphor. <laughs> this is really forward thinking, Joss <laughs> um,
0: So today we're talking about all things early
1: internet <laughs> if you haven't guessed. Yeah and not so early internet too. Basically just the internet. <laughs> do you remember getting your first computer? I do. I was in middle school
0: and I was one of the first families to get a computer. No big deal. you bougie. I know. My friends was just like Excuse one person. Excuse
1: you. Because <laughs> no, no one else had it. No one else had it.
0: We, I would call her up and I would be like, do you want to go online? And we would go online and we'd meet in the teen chat room on AOL. Oh my god. And we'd be like, age, sex, location. <laughs> ASL. Not American Sign Language. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And then we used to send pictures of Topanga from Boy Meets World to
1: say it was us. Smart. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's a real safe space, Topanga. Yeah. I mean, she seemed like pretty yet believable. Yeah. What was your um, first screen name?
0: I don't remember my exact first one. I had a couple. I had, like, my one that I used the longest was Mandy Lion 1, because my name is Amanda, and it was, like, Dandelion and Mandy because people called me Mandy, like, a, just a few people. I love that. Yeah, but then everyone was like, Amanda, what's your screen
1: name, Mandillion? And I was like, No. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that another Tom Hanks movie. That thing you do where the the One Hit Wonders and they spell it O N E D E R S. Everyone's like the One Hit Oneeder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it was just like that. What about you? We had a computer when I was young. We did have one. I remember playing Zoom Beanies, and uh, there was some like math astronaut game. My sister and I were also really obsessed with Type to Learn, uh, which was a program you couldn't get unless you were a school. So one Christmas, we asked my grandma for it, and she registered herself as a school to buy <laughs> Type to Learn for us. So somewhere there is the Grandma Barbara School for kids who want to learn how to type good and do other things good too. <laughs> It was I like, like to go to favorite. there. It's one of the my best memories. I I really peaked in those types of learn years. I've also I have like vivid memories of like going to my dad's office where he had a computer and going on the Bratz website to play games uh. and it taking like for. Ever to load, but just being like so determined to play the brats website games. Yes. It's like a bubble bath, you could
0: pop them. That was me with like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I was obsessed. Uh, but yes, the computer was so slow. Also, as I got older, I was like obsessed. I had a computer in my room, and I would just spend like seven hours a day sitting out of thinking yeah. I was some sort of hacker. When in reality, I was just like reading, bootleg. <laughs>
1: homemade websites
0: about my favorite
1: TV shows. <laughs> we had two computers by the time I was in high school, one downstairs for my parents and one upstairs for my sister and I to do our homework on. And when she went to college, my parents were like, "You can have it in your room." And I like I thought I was the shit. When when like I'm going to go on aim and talk to boys and <laughs> no one's going <laughs> to see or mock me for turning red. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great.
0: The internet was fun. It was it was fun for a while until it wasn't. <laughs> and, and that's kind of like the I feel like that's a good transition cuz that's kind of like the the movie is, is. Isn't that the tagline for Unfriended? Is it? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something ridiculous. But it's but like, like
0: you've got mail, It's like the internet is maybe good and Unfriended's
1: like the internet is fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> Unfriended is um a little smarter <laughs>
0: than you've got. Yeah.
1: Unfriended well, it just was, has more perspective yeah. at its age. Unfriended was like the
0: world-weary, smoking a cigarette, hanging out in like a back alley and you've seen some shit, seen some shit and you've got male as, like the naive, wide-eyed,
1: <laughs> everything's going to be okay. Kathleen Kelly. <laughs> so, what was your history with these movies? Had you seen them before?
0: You've Got Mail I've definitely seen before. I can't remember exactly when, but I must have been a teenager. And I think, I don't I don't think I've, I saw Sleepless in Seattle first, actually. I think You've Got Mail was like one I saw in the 90s. I think I'm at a start with my mom. It was just like a corny rom-com. My mom absolutely loves this movie. Uh, when I was a teenager, I think, I've never been a huge, like, I love rom-coms because I think they're hilarious. I don't mm-hmm. love rom-coms because of... I don't, like, go, oh, it's so dreamy, I want that. I think that's hilarious that this is, like, a thing.
1: Same. No one will watch (laughs) rom-coms with me, because I just mock them the whole time, and I'm a bad person that That, way. That's why we found each other to watch them. We're meant to be. (laughs) Like a rom-com. Like a platonic rom-com. Oh, my God. You're my NY152. Shopper? (laughs) Is it you? It's me, Amanda.
0: (laughs) See, we were honest. We told each other who we were up front. So yeah, I, I, I don't know, I don't have strong feelings about it, but I had seen it um, when the internet differences from then to now weren't as jarring, because I saw it when the internet was fairly new, or, like at least like within the last like 10 years. Right. So it wasn't as jarring as like watching it in 2020. Um, Unfriended, I'd actually never seen before. I've seen another movie about... Uh, like an entity that is in a computer that like works like by like your friends list and social media but it wasn't a found footage film like unfriended is and I cannot think of the name of it but I thought it was this movie until I watched this movie and then I was like wow but I really liked it but I hadn't seen it before what about you
1: so I think I saw you've got mail when it first came out and then I blacked it out (laughs) (laughs) so I'm pretty sure I went on a cruise with my family the summer this came out, which I think is also the summer Titanic came out. And I really wanted to see that, but knowing that I was scared of everything and we were going on a cruise, my mom was wisely like, let's not watch this just yet. <laughs> let's mood. save it until after the trip. They were playing it on the boat. Um, oh, that's sick. So I remember, because I was asking her to go to the movie on the boat, and she didn't want to take me to they Titanic. They played it on the boat? Yep. Yeah. That is- <laughs> Can you imagine watching that on a cruise? That is horrifying. <laughs> I think we watched this on the boat instead. Um, and I remember being super bored. I think I fell asleep. Uh, none of it really stuck with me, aside from I don't really <laughs> like this movie. I think it's boring. <laughs> um, and I've never rewatched it until now. I, this was also my first time watching Unfriended. Which I did like, I did enjoy. I thought, I'm just, I'm such a sucker for using, like, technology and filmmaking in different ways. And so the formatting for me, I was so intrigued. I really liked it even just for that development. I feel the same way. I love not only, like, the
0: way technology looks in movies, but I just love... Like, it's like a time capsule of what technology was at different times. And even this one, it's yeah. horrifying to think, but even unfriended, it's already a little dated, to be honest, with, like, Everything, Skype. Like, so big. Yeah, and, like, think about in 20 years, it'll be completely dated.
1: Kids will be like, what is this old-fashioned Skype-in? <laughs>
0: <What's the laughs>
1: well, it was a monopoly we had to take down after... <laughs> The war of 2024. (laughs) Once we all got our implants. (laughs) The fifth (laughs) election crisis. (laughs) Anywho, shall we get into it? Let's do it.
0: So the first movie we're talking about today is You've Got Mail, and it was released in 1998, directed and co-written by literal queen of the rom-com Nora Ephron.
1: Is there a romance novelist that has, like, a similar name? I've been know. confused on this my entire life because I thought my mom loved Nora Ephron books and then I heard she was a director and i it's not really important. <laughs> Is she reading scripts? She could be reading the scripts. <laughs> my mom's been a secret Hollywood producer <laughs> my whole life just watching me struggle trying to get into film. <laughs> I want to do like an old-timey, can you do an old-timey
0: like, Tara, you gotta read this. <laughs> Tara, know. Tara, stay here, come and get it
1: while it's hot. <laughs>
0: That's how I'm going to picture your mom forever now. So you know. <laughs> I've given her so many different accents <laughs> in the like, three
1: episodes we've done so far.
0: I like keep people on their toes. That's how you got to <laughs> do it. So Nora Ephron directed and co-wrote this movie, and it reunites 90s rom-com royalty Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. They were in another of Ephron's movies, uh, possibly the more famous, better movie, Sleepless in Seattle, which happened five years earlier. And basically, You've Got Mail is the OG online dating cautionary tale. It's about two New Yorkers who meet in an over-30s chat room and connect over their love of New York, cryptic prose, and emotional cheating before it was cool. Is emotional cheating cool? In 2020, it's, it's having a moment, I feel like. You don't think? I mean, it's not cool. I think it's, it's prevalent. I don't know if cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> cool, ironically, Tara.
1: <laughs> I've never been a cool kid. What do I know? <laughs> I
0: mean, it's not,
1: we do not recommend emotional cheating. I'm a one guy kind of girl. I just don't have the emotional capacity to, yeah, to your boyfriend more. is not listening to us enough. You can be honest. Well, that knows. <laughs> just I kidding. i met this guy in a chat room.
0: Um, I just think back in 1998, <laughs> emotional cheating didn't exist, and then all of a sudden, emotional cheating is like a very real thing. <laughs> yeah. So to do it in 1998 was like the hipster. It was the hipster emotional it cheating. Didn't even count yet. I turn on my computer. I go online. Welcome. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You got Goddamn. mail. What is going on with you? Is it infidelity if you're involved with someone on email? This woman is the most adorable creature I've ever been in contact with. Have you had sex? Of course, not. I don't even know. It. Mm, I mean, cyber sex. No. Well, no, don't
1: do it. Because the minute you do, they lose all respect for you. In the city
0: where everyone's looking for someone, Joe and Kathleen have discovered the best way to meet someone. <gasps> Hi. Is to never meet at all. We just email. It's really nothing. I don't know his name or what he does, blah, 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 or where he lives exactly. What? He couldn't possibly be the Rooftop Killer. So you've got mail opens, and we meet Meg Ryan's ca- character named Kathleen Kelly and her neurotic boyfriend Frank. And basically, Frank <laughs> is a writer who believes technology spells the end of western civilization as we know it
1: yeah frank is woke as fuck
0: <laughs> <laughs> frank is before his time <laughs> although he is a republican
1: is he i think so yeah he probably is. i think they all are yeah <laughs> joe fox tom hanks definitely is oh yeah because his like dad and grandpa make the joke about like those upper west side liberals <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they do <laughs> you're right See that's why their relationship is
0: never going to work because Kathleen Kelly is definitely not a Republican. I don't she think. doesn't have any political stance. Oh right,
1: <laughs> she, she's getting her nails done. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. Kathleen Kelly is super excited when her boyfriend leaves the apartment. She is, like, (laughs) dancing around, checking out the window to make sure he's gone. You
1: know what? As an introvert, I get that. (laughs) But not for the same reasons. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Not not because I'm excited to emotionally cheat, because I'm excited for silence. (laughs) For no interaction.
0: (laughs) I just want to watch Netflix and drink coffee alone, please. But Kathleen wants to log on to the World Wide Web. And five minutes later... (laughs) She gets online and she has a message from some cryptic man named NYC152.
1: So original. So
0: original. And why all the numbers? It's 1998.
1: You could have just been NYC probably. (laughs) Yeah. She got shop, girl. (laughs) So
0: NYC152, spoiler alert, is Tom Hanks' character. (gasps) Who would have thought it? I didn't see that coming. And basically he's at his New York City apartment doing the exact same thing to his girlfriend. (laughs) Parker Posey. Parker Posey, who's a national treasure and should be protected at all costs. Because I love Parker Posey. Definitely. So once these two crazy kids are rid of their balls and chains, they (laughs) (laughs) log into AOL, check their email, they have one message each because they don't have any other friends online, and <laughs> <laughs> none of their other friends are privileged enough to have computers yeah. <laughs> and they play it off all innocent and maybe in 1998 the internet was like so new that it wasn't cheating yet
1: they're just talking. I mean, I feel like they knew. I do remember, like, being around the age this came out, and there being headlines like, meeting people online, like, online relationships, and being, like, headline-worthy that this could happen. Yeah.
0: I mean, and it's not cheating if it's online in 1998. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like ludicrous and zip codes. <laughs> <laughs> or area codes. I forget what song that was. They're having their little... Really kind of thirsty exchange. <laughs> Intellectually thirsty. <laughs> it is well. I don't know. She uses some innuendos that I'm like, slow down. You you don't you haven't even like. Girl's
1: desperate.
0: So we eventually get some backstory, and Joe is the heir to a chain bookstore fortune, and they're popping open a Fox Books
1: Superstore in the Upper West Side. Oh, the horror. It's so sad because, like, growing up, there was a Borders in the town I grew up in, and it was my favorite place. And when it closed, because of developments online and Amazon, I was devastated. And, like, (laughs) seeing it pop up and the way they're like, oh, no, this huge bookstore. (laughs) Like, but I want to go to there. It looks nice. (laughs) So many books. So many books. There's a cafe. (laughs) Dave Chappelle's there. (laughs) I mean, yeah.
0: So, Meg Ryan is kind of mirroring that sentiment because she owns a small family business children's bookstore right down the street, and it is called Shop Around the Corner, which is
1: (laughs) very literal. (laughs) Well, I guess that's also a reference to watching the credits. I feel like they lean very heavily on, like, this is a version of the movie Shop Around the Corner. Oh, okay. I totally missed that. I haven't seen Shop Around the Corner, though. I haven't either. It was in the credits, like, five places, though, like, based on the screenplay, full Shop Around the Corner. (laughs) Oh, it is. Oh, man. Okay, I didn't miss. I missed that
0: completely. Basically, neither of them care about their current partners to the point that when their friends ask about them, they don't even remember they exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or are disgusted at
1: the mention that yeah. like the relationship could be progressing. Did you get engaged? <laughs> are you crazy? So <laughs> 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 like, uh, well, the woman I'm living with? Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> And they both do it. Like, yeah. separate
0: of one another, they're both doing the same thing. So meanwhile, Meg Ryan's co-workers all know she's engaging in this illicit, online, torrid affair. And my favorite line is the one where they asked her if she's had cyber sex, and the woman yeah. she works with is like, don't do it, they won't respect you after.
1: Oh. <laughs> I was like,
0: <gasps> I totally missed that. Such a 90s joke. Like, such a 90s joke still applies today. Yeah. So meanwhile, over at Fox Books, the Fox family is psyched about putting all these small businesses out of business. They're like finger guns, like excited, like, they're literally like celebrating putting businesses out. Oh yeah. And I'm just like waiting. I want the sequel where Amazon comes along and puts them out of business. <laughs> the
1: sight around the corner. <laughs>
0: Who's laughing now, Joe Fox? <laughs> yeah, so there's this, like, weird subplot where Joe's dad's engaged to a younger woman, and he's had multiple marriages, they're playing them for laughs. He's got a young son. <laughs> yeah, um, the, we're just an American family. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Because Joe Fox is, like, a 40-year-old man with, like, an 8-year-old aunt and, like, a 6-year-old brother. Yeah. And it's, like, a big, supposed to be a hoop. My dad, that's my nephew. You know, I don't really think that he could be your nephew. No, 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 it's true. Annabelle is my aunt. Isn't that right, Aunt Annabelle? Uh-huh. And Matt is oh, Wait, 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 let me guess. Are you his uncle?
1: I'm um, his brother.
0: Matt is my father's son. Annabelle is my grandfather's daughter. We are an
1: American family.
0: We meet those kids when Tom Hanks takes them for, like, a fun day out, and they end up at Shop Around the Corner, and there he meets Meg Ryan's character for the first time, and intentionally misleads her on who he is.
1: Her whole thing later is, like, he just introduced himself as Joe. Like, what's it with, like, young people just using their first name? If someone introduced themselves to me with both their first and their last name, I would be alarmed. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that would be pretty strange. But, but she's assuming that that's the default. Although, with a name like
0: Joe Fox, like, I have a lot of friends, if you have a two-syllable full name, sometimes you are known by, like, your full name. He doesn't do it because it's casual. He purposely yes. doesn't tell her who he yes. is because he doesn't want her to know that he's the business that's going to put her out. They keep chatting online, meanwhile. Neither of them know who the other one is still at this point. And it's typically emails, but then one time he sees... Well, he doesn't see. He just guesses she might be online, so he messages <laughs> her. Because he's memorized her schedule. <laughs> I thought you'd be online it's right normal. now. It's normal. It's fine. It's not stalking. It's not like today where we're always online. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I thought you'd be online. Yeah, I'm online no all shit. the time. <laughs> I've been online for six hours according to my phone. Literally my job. <laughs> <laughs> So, he instant messages her, and she screams when it comes through, which I thought was hilarious. She I do relate to it. that, though. Yeah,
1: yeah. I can remember, like, my crushes IMing me and being like, Oh my god, it's happened. <laughs> like, what do I do the first time? Well, that
0: must have been nice for you. <laughs> One time. <laughs> I remember just putting my away message on, like, maybe they'll see it. They'll read it. And it's some, like, emo quote macrostic with their name. <laughs> so, he starts to say he's going to give her some business advice because he's a brilliant businessman. <laughs> yeah. And I am groaning.
1: Oh, the level of manslaming. Oh my god,
0: the groaning. So she is apparently not put off by this because it's
1: 1998. Yeah, also, I'm sorry. I Her character is so unrealistic to me. She's supposed to be so smart but is so naive. So naive. <laughs> and she's like, she runs her own business in New York City and is supposed to, like, be this incredible, intelligent woman with great taste. And is so naive. I don't... I don't understand how she made it. Yeah. I think it's, like,
0: her mom's store, and she's just there because of her she mom. She just wrote it out. Yeah. I honestly think that's what happened. Because her only redeeming, like, quality as a businesswoman
1: is she knows a lot about children's books. Oh, she's she's super intelligent in her fields. I do give her that. But she has no business sense whatsoever. Well
0: that's what she has Birdie for. Birdie is the old lady that mm. is I don't know who that is, like he, to her. I thought yeah, I don't know either. But she's cool. I wanna like be friends Birdie. with Bertie. He's messaging her. He is typing a five hundred word instant message. It is making me anxious. It is like <laughs> dot 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 <laughs> for
1: for paragraphs ten
0: in one. Like he is like writing full sentences. He is, like, <laughs> using Oxford commas.
1: <laughs> He's <laughs> capitalizing things. He's quoting the Godfather at length. Oh, my God. I can't. I just, no. And Ugh. doing the impressions out loud while he types them. Oh, and his impression is so bad. So bad. He's just doing the face, and it's not even a good face. You're an anyway.
0: Oscar-winning actor. <laughs> Do,
1: a- Do better. <laughs> Do better.
0: And, you know, no. this is, like, the length of a message you write in notes first and then copy and paste into your message box. Like, oh, you yeah. need to proofread this shit. So, his advice to her is basically, go to war and do everything you can to, like, get your store back. Which, basically, unbeknownst to him, just means she's gonna, like, go at him. Yeah. Which, good for her.
1: Yeah, no, and she follows that advice, yeah. it's like,
0: go, girl. She rallies, she protests, she sends her boyfriend on television, she does a lot of shit to get her store to be saved. Meanwhile, they agree to meet in person this is like about halfway through the movie, I would say. They're going to meet each other IRL? <gasps> yeah, and she's going to carry a book with a rose in it so he yeah. knows who she is. <laughs> I was so cringeworthy. Oh my me. god. Where does she even get one rose? Go to a florist and be like, can I have one single rose, please? I feel like only in New York City can you do that. That's probably true. So she goes to the coffee shop, he goes to the coffee shop. He's with Dave Chappelle, because obviously you
1: take your best friend when you're going to meet a girl for the first time. Dave Chappelle is massively underutilized in this movie. It's also the only time I've ever seen him be even remotely politically correct. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. He does sneak some kind of, like, more
0: R-rated jokes in as much as yeah. he can, but... It's like, let him be free. Yeah. I mean, you've got Dave Chappelle in your movie. Use him. Yeah. But this is actually really funny, this scene, because he looks in and sees Kathleen Kelly sitting at the table, and he's like...
1: You know what? She look. I mean, she almost has the same color in as that Kathleen Kelly person. Kathleen Kelly of the little bookstore. Well, why not? You said you thought she was attractive. Absolutely, yes, why not? Who cares about Kathleen Kelly? Well, if you don't
0: like Kathleen Kelly, I can tell you right now, you ain't gonna like this girl.
1: Why not? Because it is Kathleen Kelly.
0: And he finds out it's her. Instead of going in, being a man, and dealing with it, mm-hmm. he stands her up. And even Dave Chappelle's like, so you're just going to leave her waiting there? And he's like, yep, without even thinking, yes, I am going to do that. That would have been bad. But yeah. what he does is even worse than that. Because he decides to go into the coffee shop as himself, as the person she knows. Yeah. And then proceed to just needle her
1: about why she's alone. Yeah. You know, like he knows why she's alone. It's ten minutes of just nagging Meg Ryan at her worst moment. Which is, like, just unnecessary.
0: Like, what? this poor woman just got stood up so she thinks and now you're just gonna be mean to her for no reason.
1: I think around this time, her Romanov family is also being murdered. <laughs> I think this is still the worst thing to happen to her this year. <laughs> I'm gonna take that out. That feels bad.
0: <laughs> and then... As he's talking to her, he's not only lying to her now, like in this present moment, but now he's denying that he lied to her when he told when he didn't tell her his last name. He's saying that wasn't intentional. And when it clearly was.
1: I mean, it clearly
0: was and she and he will not admit it. And it's like this man just cannot stop lying to her.
1: So it makes him a good businessman. So it makes him a man. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm just kidding. We like men, and we hope some of you decide to listen to our podcast. Please. Not only our friends. <laughs> but
0: he, so he's lying to her currently, and, and like profusely, but then she kind of gives it back to him a little call. If I really knew you, I know what I would find. Instead of a brain, a cash register, instead of a heart, a bottom line. And all of a sudden, he looks so wounded, and
1: he's like, aw. So like, what she said in comparison to the <laughs> things he said to her, I was like, Grow a spine, Tom Hanks, like. suit. Well, no,
0: men, like, he can't handle it. It's his fragile... His he can fragile dish it, but he can't take it. Definitely not. I feel like the whole premise of this movie is he is all, like, butthurt that she doesn't like him. Yeah. So lies to her for <laughs> 55 minutes <laughs> until the end because
1: she... Isn't like a mind reader. She's not she, gonna... she's not like the other girls. No. She's special. She calls him out. <laughs> <laughs> Meg Ryan ends up having to close the store. That I feel like that happens so abruptly. Yeah. She goes from being like, I'm fighting this to, well, okay, we're gonna close it. I was like, is. what? Did I skip, like, ten minutes somewhere? What happened? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they put way too much time watching Tom Hanks type an instant message, <laughs> and they had to cut to the, the his scene. godfather <laughs> impression. <laughs> they
1: had to cut the scene that transitioned into her closing the store. <laughs> <laughs> it's her godfather impression. It's even worse. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Not... To make matters worse, not only is she closing the store, but then her and Frank break up. Which is sad. It is sad. But... It's like kind of also they're in a movie theater and he and she's hinting that something is wrong and he immediately is like, oh no, I was going to break up with you first. I'm going to break up with you.
1: Well, he does this weird thing where they're like clearly about to break up on the street and then they're in the restaurant at the beginning of a meal. I'm like, sure, get off the street before having this private conversation, But you're gonna start, like, a one-hour dinner with this and then sit there? Like, what's the game plan Have you ever done that? I've done that once, and it was
0: fucking excruciating. Like, we're at a restaurant, and I ordered, like, a quesadilla, and then, like, we had a conversation, and I was like, I'm just gonna take this to go.
1: I can't sit here and eat this. Like, what, are we just gonna (laughs) stare at each other (laughs) while I eat this quesadilla? I said the opposite where I've gone through like a whole dinner and acted like something oh. was normal and then I'm to be like, so, <laughs> so, I actually don't really want to do this anymore.
0: Care for dessert because I'm deserting you.
1: <laughs> Boom.
0: <laughs> are we bad people? I don't know. Who can tell anymore? I mean, the scale is so, it's like such a uh, sliding scale. What are these days? <laughs> so... At the same time as this is all happening, Tom Hanks and Parker Posey also break up. (laughs) Womp womp again. (laughs) I'm Team Parker Posey. (laughs) Team Parker Posey for life. I'm just in general Team Parker Posey. Yeah. So Tom Hanks ends up going to stay
1: on his boat. (laughs) Because despite the fact that he's a multi-millionaire, he lives in his girlfriend's house with no apartment of his own. But he wouldn't get engaged, sir. <laughs> so it
0: looks like he gets it from his dad because his dad also breaks up with his fiance and is also living on a boat, which is bigger than Tom Hanks' boat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the grandfather's boat next to that boat, and it's like <laughs> a cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, like this weird subplot is that Tom Hanks' dad keeps getting married because he can't be alone like he just like marries yeah. whoever cuz he can't be alone. And then fucks the nanny. And then fucks the nanny. So
1: after this Tom Hanks this time his his <gasps> wife fucked the nanny. Yes, which of course is a whole joke in 1998 of lesbian. Yeah. Hilarious 1998 lesbian joke. I'm like, "Yeah, no, this man's a nightmare. The nanny seems like a doll. Good for this girl, <laughs> moving
0: up in the world." It's just like the friends era. So that was That was what we were doing, I guess. Now, after watching his dad be a shit show, he decides that he needs to run to Meg Ryan.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Immediately. With flowers when she's sick in bed. Uh, he's so aggressively crossing boundaries in this scene.
0: Yeah, because he buzzes himself. He, like, goes into the building when someone else gets buzzed in.
1: She says, I'm sick, don't come up. He breaks in. He pushes in through the door. He starts just, like pushing shit around her apartment. Yeah.
0: And she puts on a trench coat over her pajamas, like that's gonna like and then change her look. Hides tissues in the pocket instead of throwing them out. And so, like, now this is the part in the movie where they start to become friends, or Tom Hanks is, like, really pushing for them to become friends, but it does seem like he's running into her a lot of places based on what he knows about her from talking to her online. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Which is so, like, classic sociopath. He is stalking her. And not only is he stalking her, but he is, like, still needling her about the guy she knows online. Oh, he's gaslighting her. It is horrendous. Yeah. And horrifying. This is like, I don't know, I didn't watch You because I can't watch You because I would never sleep again, but I feel like this is like 1998
1: You. <laughs> I feel mean, like there is also a You reference in... Uzi, oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> <is> like <laughs> oh well. It's a he very... is the character. So is... I guess that's it. I,
0: I know. So I will not make any more you references to yeah, a show I, I have It seen. applies to every <laughs> rom com. I, I love I that I reference a show I didn't watch <laughs> <laughs> twice. <laughs> but basically, he's like, goes to Meg Ryan. Maybe he's married, even though he knows obviously he's not married. And then he, she goes online. Are you married? And then he's like, "Of course I'm not married. Why would you ask me that?" Like he is enjoying this. He's yeah. genuinely having fun, getting worked up. Oh, he's fucking with her for funsies. It's messed up. <laughs> Ugh. It appear they, like they play this off like Joe wants Kathleen to genuinely like him before revealing to her that he is NYC 152. But like he's a grown man, just fucking own up to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to
0: play these games.
1: If you have to lie this much to someone just for the possibility that you might break them down over time enough that they won't run away when asked to view you as a romantic interest, give up. Like, find someone new. Right. (laughs) You fucked that relationship up already. If you love it, let it go. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe
0: it will never come back because you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) But, like, he, so this scene is him, like, this scene, they're on the steps, she's gonna go meet NYC 152 at 4, and he's saying goodbye to her as himself at this point, point. and he's like... If I hadn't been Fox Books, and you hadn't been The Shop Around the Corner, and you and I had just met... I know. Yeah, I would have asked for your number, and I wouldn't have been able to wait 24 hours before calling you up and saying, hey, how about, oh, how about some coffee or... You know, drinks or dinner, or a movie, for as long as we both shall live. He is basically begging her to like subliminally know what he's trying to tell her. Like he's like expects more from her than you could possibly expect from a human. But he is like butthurt hurt that she doesn't that she doesn't like mysteriously magically have all these feelings for him when they have nothing but animosity to each towards each other for the entire movie. sounded like you were going to do a
1: Godfather impression. I don't, I don't even know. You were it. like, eh. That's the whole impression. That's all I got. <laughs> it was solid. It was solid. My, my Marlon Brando is more of like, I could have been a contender. Or, Stella! <laughs> <laughs> Those are good as well. That's <laughs> all I got. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> so, they... So she ne- she doesn't pick up on his subtle, <laughs> very subtle cues.
1: She runs away from him. Yeah, so
0: she's like, "I gotta go," um, and goes and meets NYC 152, who
1: is Tom Hanks, obviously. <laughs> his dog is running away when he comes around the corner, and she's having this romantic moment. And he's like, "Frankly, frankly, come here, frankly," <laughs> so and Frankly's like. Get me out of here! I've been trying to escape! This man's a monster. (laughs) Call Animal Control! I need to be saved!
0: So they unite, and it's
1: basically like Meg Ryan in tears. I really thought she was crying at first because she was so upset it was him. <laughs> I mean, maybe she was,
0: and like she's like, I can't. I wanted it to be you, really though, because you, you did You ran
1: away from him like two hours ago, and yeah. he basically confessed that he loved you. So. Yeah, you clearly told yeah. him that you thought he was. Trash for the whole entire
0: movie, which, yeah. in your defense, he is. Yeah,
1: no, you you were you were on the right track. Listen to your
0: intuition, girl. Stay with it. <laughs> so alternate take. Mm. He is in in another movie. He isn't. NYC 152. He kills. <laughs> <laughs> he kills the guy that was NYC One Fifty Two. Steals <laughs> his dog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> And they lived happily ever after. (laughs) I feel like, you know, it really doesn't change the situation too much either way. Honestly, I feel like that would be a really good horror movie. (laughs) Shall we write it?
0: I think we should. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's almost, it's probably better than this horror movie that we, I mean, like, the you've got male horror movie that we did watch. You've got murder. (laughs) You've got male, M A L E. (laughs) Or is that the porn
1: version? I don't know. Yeah, that's the porn version. (laughs) (laughs) And on the note of illicit internet videos... Say more. We have Unfriended, our second movie of the episode. Ooh. Um, Unfriended is a 2014 supernatural horror film that builds on the found footage genre by playing out entirely on the desktop screen of a MacBook with stories told through Skype video, chats, Facebook, and YouTube. It was directed by Levon Gabrielsi <laughs> and stars all actors in their mid-twenties playing teenagers. Yay, Hollywood! Yay! Yeah, it's uh, every, every uh, movie. Yeah, unlike Easy Eye, though, they actually really do look like teenagers. They do. I bought it.
0: Yes, I would like their cream. Whatever yeah. cream they use. Please <laughs> yeah. send me
1: recommendations. Tom's cold cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do say, so... This movie is really, really cool in the way it's shot. It's all on a desktop screen, and it's super effective. I actually, I watched it on my laptop um, while prepping for this, and I found myself, like, going to click on windows that were hidden behind things. I love that. And getting so lost in it. I accidentally paused the movie, like, 20 times and rewound it that way. But yeah, it was so. I also I kept looking at the top to see notifications and time. It's it's really well done in that facet, and I, I think it's really cool. Oh, I
0: wish I watched it on a laptop. I watched it on a TV, so I I can definitely see how it would have been super cool on a laptop. It was really cool. It was also super freaky towards the end. Oh yeah, they should make a cut where there's like so in the movie there's. Five Skype windows. They should make a sixth win. Like maybe oh. in the
1: future, a sixth window where you're in it is gonna break so many privacy rules. But i just know. like actually, I'm in though. I'm in. <laughs> Worth it for the art, right? <laughs> for the drama. So what is it? What happens in this movie? Let's uh, get let's, into it. Let's listen to the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks ago, like I asked you. Which (laughs) seats are better, balcony or orchestra? (laughs) Hey Mitch, who's your buddy? Who is that? I just tried to hang up on him. Can we get rid of this person? I don't know. Is this here the whole time? Uh, This is probably a glitch. Well, the glitch just typed. Who is doing this?
0: Uh, This is Laura's account. Who would hack into a dead girl's account? Maybe it's Laura. All right, everyone, hands up right now. Who's doing this?
1: Oh my god. So, unfriended. We open up on a MacBook screen and we see someone searching on the dark web for a snuff video of a former classmate, Laura Burns, and the video they're looking for is of her committing suicide on campus. Is it, is it the dark web? I think, it, I think it is because it's some site that's linking to like this is the video that hasn't been taken down and like snuff film, like that's illegal. So whatever's hosting that and linking to it, I have to, it's probably not the dark, dark web, but it's not. (laughs) It's the gray web. (laughs) It's the gray area web. (laughs) (laughs) It's not anywhere a teenage girl should be. So after watching the, the suicide video, the user then searches for a video on YouTube called Laura Barnes, Kill Yourself. And we see a YouTube video of Laura getting drunk, she's passed out, and she's defecated herself. And there are a whole bunch of comments on it. So we we come to understand that this is the video that led to the suicide. This is really dark. This movie was really dark. It's a shocking intro. It really dives you in... Yeah, because they interview. show
0: the snuff film,
1: like they yeah. show the snuff film with no warning
0: on the screen. I guess that's what you signed up for with a horror movie, but you are not expecting to watch that.
1: They give you a little bit of a warning because oh, you can right. read the blur before the video pops up. But it, that's the first thing you see, and I, I the tone of the movie is not established enough to be like. Oh, yeah, no, she's we're, she's definitely going to kill herself, so I should, like, look away or I shouldn't. Right, that's what
0: they get you. They have the warning, like, you would see on a YouTube or whatever or a dark web website. I don't know. I've never been on the dark web, Maybe neither. <laughs> <laughs> but they show the warning, but you can't click it. Like, I can't click out of it because yeah. I'm just watching the movie. So it's like you're kind of along for the ride,
1: even though you know it's coming. That's, that's like, one of the things that was so stressful about this was, like, even, like, having this on my computer is, like... I don't want this on, like, yeah. on my computer. Because you're oh watching God. it on a computer, yeah. and you, so it looked like it was your window. It feels horrible. So the video is interrupted by someone called Mitch calling him, and the user answers it, and so our main character is revealed to us, and her name is Blair. And she's a really pretty 25-year-old actress playing a teenager. <laughs> That's the thing that bothers me. <laughs> so we find out through this conversation that it's the anniversary of Laura's suicide, But Mitch and Blair aren't too bothered by this. They're flirting. Blair tells Mitch she wants to lose her virginity on prom night. He's rock hard. (laughs) He's trying to get her to take her
0: clothes off. Yeah, she's showing her feet, her (laughs) legs. He's threatening her with a knife. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But they're interrupted in their flirting by somehow all their friends, all three of them, which are Jess, Ken, and Adam, are somehow admitted into their call. And they're both kind of chatting back and forth, like, did you do this? Did you not? Because Blair's got her shirt halfway off by this point. Yeah. So Blair just assumes Mitch is like a jokester, like,
0: you answered their call.
1: Which so far from what we've seen of him is plausible, because there's some weird, aggressive, manipulative undertones to the dynamic of their relationship. For sure. And all of the friends adhere to traditional slasher film friends' stereotypes. Mm-hmm. We've got the slut, we've got the nerd, and we've got the rich popular guy. But in addition to these stereotypes, there's also another user that's been added to the chat. And this user is Billy227. They don't have a profile picture and no one knows who they are. Blair looks up the username and she sees that it used to be Laura's screen name on Skype. So she brings this up to the group and they assume that their friend that no one likes, Val, is pranking them and add her to the chat to call her out. So, meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, there's a conversation going on between Mitch and Blair in the background, and Blair's on Facebook, and someone has contacted, contacted Blair through Laura Barnes' profile on Facebook. Blair is rightfully very disturbed by this. She reports the user to Facebook, looks up what you can do, and memorializes her page. Um, Have you ever tried, like, I've
0: never seen the memorialization process. Is that So, I didn't realize just anyone could go in and submit anyone's page for memorialization with an article.
1: I don't think it's as simple and instantaneous as they make it out to be. Yeah, it seems like it was like just a stranger could just go...
0: And just start, I mean, I don't know why you would do that for kicks, but, like, find people online and just memorialize their pages.
1: I think anyone, I think any friend can go and report it, but I do think you oh. have to provide evidence. Okay, and you have to be their Facebook friend, probably. And, and I do think that there's, like, a process of Facebook checking it out. It's not like you hit memorialize and, and it becomes, but I don't know, because, again, I've, I've never done it, and I've never really seen it done. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's a little more to that process. They make it look so easy. Yeah. <laughs> like two clicks. So she's talking to Mitch in the background, and it, it seems like he's also getting messages from, from Laura. He's not sure it's a joke, and he sends Blair a link to a page about supernatural internet hauntings and possessions. Yes, and he does it so, like, one thing I
0: really like about the movie is how it treats, like, he's not responding to her for a while, and she's like, are you there? What's happening? Because he's on his computer doing other stuff, so it's yeah. kind of very
1: accurate to, like... And he's clearly getting contacted by yeah. Laura as well, and having, like, his own version of this. You get the three dots for forever. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, much anxiety. So real. For, for a horror movie about a supernatural
0: internet ghost, it is very realistic. <laughs> they really do nail the portrayal of technology super well. Right, and the fact that this whole movie takes place on a desktop, just using things you would find online is... It's so smart. It's so smart, and it, you the story doesn't lose anything. It, it
1: only gains something from it. Very wise. And I'm not taking a few film classes <laughs> in, my, in my life. Don't be intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> Blair reads this. There's a note of, if this happens to you, don't respond. And she begins to suspect that maybe this isn't a prank. Laura's spirit might be possessing the user on the computer. Now, immediately you have these five kids in these
0: in these Skype chats, and they see this. I mean, I, I don't know, and maybe, obviously this is a fictional horror movie, but I feel like at this point they could have
1: closed the computers and ran away really fast. <laughs> well, they do... They do, um, when they first see the user, they close the call, they try to call back in, and then they start to think it's a glitch. What if they close the computers and smash them to pieces? I don't think they've gotten to the point where, like, I don't know. I well, guess they so it's they're so addicted
0: to their technology that they can't.
1: <laughs> it <Like, laughs> seems like a big step. I don't know. I've never been possessed by an in internet ghost. How so do I know? It <laughs> would have saved them. These are, are also matter. five friends that live
0: like in the same city that are all on a
1: Skype call. <laughs> like, oh, we all did that. <laughs> <laughs> so they've called Val into the chat. She is a bitch. It's understandable why yeah. she's the friend that no I think one likes. Jess is a bitch too. Though I think they're all kind of Blair's a bitch too. I, think, I and know. Adam and Mitch are bitches. They're, they're all bitch. bad people. They're all bitches. we don't feel bad for them in that. So embarrassing Facebook photos of Val have started to appear on Jess's page. Jess says she didn't put them up, and she removes them. But the minute she does, they instantly appear on Adam's account. So Val's freaking out. She calls 911 to report that she's being harassed, and she leaves the chat. Dramatic redhead moment. Yeah, she's out. So, meanwhile, within the Skype, the, the friends that are still on receive a photo of Val and Laura's messages from before Laura's suicide, in which Val is encouraging Laura to go ahead and kill herself. She posts... Oh, did she post that yeah. to the page? Oh, yeah. I think she. I think it does get posted to Facebook. Because then
0: everyone's commenting like, like oh, "Val, you're such a yeah. horrible person.
1: Valerie appears on the video, but she's catatonic, and she's sitting next to a bottle of bleach. I feel like it's like a frozen, like the screen's frozen. It's really unclear whether it's frozen or whether she's... Um, spaced out. I think she's spaced out. Okay. Because I think there is subtle movement in okay. parts of the frame. I didn't couldn't really tell because then when it comes it back and really she hard. falls, they, I'm like, did it just like come back into focus? I don't they know. They definitely play with that aspect here and throughout of like, is it frozen? Like, what's the happening? glitchy screens were actually really good for. When horror. they put it over the Warner Brothers in the beginning. Oh, I love. I want it out
0: like immediately. <laughs> I love when I, I'm. I'm a sucker for when they fuck with like uh like company logos in the beginning of movies Same. i love it Same. my favorite of all time is spider-man into the spider-verse i
1: have not watched it
0: oh my god just for the intro you should because they glitched the logo in a really cool from a graphics oh. perspective you would love it
1: i love the way they do it in it oh i i don't know why that that one stuck with me but so so she does collapse and by this point, the police arrive, and the group overhears the police calling in codes, and they start looking them up. They realize that the police are calling in a code that indicates that Val has committed suicide. So they start panicking, that video cuts out, and they start to suspect that this user Billy isn't really a glitch. It's actually someone who's like involved in fucking with them. Billy asks them if they want to play a game. So they all agree, and they're trying to play it cool. Ken agrees, and he says, yeah, yeah, we're going to play a game. I'm sending everyone a game right now. Everyone download the game, and we'll get started playing. But what he's really sending them is antivirus software, which they download and all start running, and it removes the chat from their computers, which temporarily works. They're, they're all ab- able to get back into the chat, and Billy's not there. Um, I thought that scene was really cool. I thought so too.
0: Yeah. I liked like them all working I mean I guess this is one of the rare parts where they're all working together because they're at each other's throats for most of the movie. Yeah. And this part they were kinda like
1: on the same team. Yeah. It goes downhill from this yeah. point pretty quickly yeah. for that. It's escalated
0: pretty quickly.
1: So Billy re enters the chat. I think um I think one of them's called nine one one and the nine one one user turns out to be Billy and yes. comes back into the chat. And for the first time, uh, Billy turns her camera on and we're seeing this weird view. It looks like it's from behind a screen and Ken gets up to go get something and we see him walk past Billy's camera. So we realize the camera's behind him. He starts to approach it and his camera cuts out. And then all of a sudden we start getting glimpses of him and he's killing himself by... First, sticking his hand into a blender oh, yeah. and then slitting his throat on it. When did he get a blender? Where was he? he no, he does. He, he brings the blender. He's showing juice or something in the beginning. Oh. He, he has something he's made in the blender. Okay. See, so never keep a, a blender in your. Where, was he in a bedroom? I forget. He looks like he's in a
0: basement. Oh, okay. He might have been not in a bedroom. But still, why do you have a blender? He seems like a basement kind of I love when they're, like, when stuff starts to escalate and they all start to go a little crazy and you've got Adam chugging alcohol. I think Ken's <laughs> got an electronic cigarette. He's, like, popping
1: on. It's like they're all, like, losing their minds. I do have to say the deaths in this movie are very creative. Very creative. Yeah.
0: The straightener down the throat. Yeah, no, Spoiler. Alert. No,
1: no, spo- but yeah, ah. that um that was horrifying to think about. Yeah. I can oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so he kills himself with a blender. And then Billy then starts forcing the game to play, uh, forcing the group to play a game of Never Have I Ever. Whoever loses the game is going to die. So everyone puts five fingers up. She starts this countdown. Originally, it's Billy asking the questions, mm-hmm. but then she, she's kind of setting things up so they all turn against each other. And eventually, Adam and Mitch start putting questions out to target each other. And it becomes very clear that Blair, who claimed she was a virgin, Uh-oh. has slept with Adam while she was dating Mitch. And Laura so kindly provides video evidence of this encounter no. to the group. Did Adam, do you think, video it, or is this kind of like some mystical video that the ghost manages to just produce? I hadn't thought about that. Adam does strike me as the kind of creep that would have a video set up in his room. Well, he roofied that girl and made her get an abortion. Yeah. So
0: I mean, also, I don't think the, the ghost, for lack of a better term, has ever produce something that didn't exist like everything is like found footage of stuff that's online or somewhere on a computer yeah so i think it makes more sense to think that he's a creep but blair doesn't look that surprised by the video like she's just more like mitch don't look at it don't look at it instead of being like how the fuck did
1: you have that video that's true she seems to know exactly what's gonna be so on. like i don't know <gasps> they i made I, a, they made a consensual sex tape or maybe he had been using it to blackmail her
0: Because he does, I don't know.
1: That sounds like him. Yeah, classic Adam. Am I right? (laughs) So the game of Never Have I Ever is getting really heated. And Blair and Adam both receive messages in their printer. Um, That's why you can't have a printer. Adam, who has a printer? There's this great, um, this is a real tangent, the, like, Instagram story of, like, someone's neighbor had put their printer on, like, a public Wi-Fi. So they sent paper to it that said, Hello, I am your printer. I'm now, like, self-aware. Oh, my God. And then the next day, the printer was on, like, the curb (laughs) in the trash. (laughs) That is the best story I've ever heard. I don't care if it's real or not. It made me laugh so hard. I mean, it's funny for everyone except the person who had that printer in their house. Anywho, Laura plays a similar prank on the gang here. <laughs> um, so Mitch is really pressuring Blair to share her paper, saying he doesn't want any more secrets, and if he, she doesn't share the paper, he's going to leave. He's out. Laura and Blair have, have been messaging on the side this whole time through Facebook, off and on, and she messages Blair to state that if Mitch leaves, he will die. So Blair holds up her paper, which reads, If you reveal this, Adam will die. And Adam immediately shoots himself. As his camera falls, we see that his paper has a similar message but threatening Blair's stuff.
0: So he was a gentleman. Uh,
1: I was actually really surprised. I would yeah. have thought he would have be been like, oh yeah, great, get this bitch out of here. Yeah.
0: I feel like he might have like actually liked her in another If he I wasn't so, a shitty too. human being. I mean he's just a dirtbag, so like he doesn't really like anyone, but like I think he thinks he liked
1: her. Like I think he was Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Wow. Wow. So, Laura then begins to ask questions more about less trying to instigate things between them and more trying to source out who had victimized her. So, her next question is, never have I ever vandalized Laura Barnes' grave. And Jess starts freaking out. So, we kind of know that Jess has, has vandalized a grave or two in her lifetime, perhaps. So... Blair convinces Jess to stop playing and close her computer. We see the lights go off in her house and she locks herself in her bathroom. Her Skype and power get cut off, but then when they come back on, we see that she shoved a straightener down her throat and but she's dead. This is, so in the meantime. Oh, with yes, this is Chat roulette. Yeah.
0: <laughs> in the meantime, with this Blair, who at this point, I guess we, like, I mean, at this point, we know she's kind of not great since she, like, Sacrifice. Her morality has become questionable. It has become very questionable. But she does try to help Jess by using the internet to try to find a way to contact someone to help them. So she goes on Chat Roulette. For anyone who doesn't know what Chat Roulette is, it was a website where you could go and <laughs> you would just see random other people using it and you could just quickly flip flip away to the next person or you could stay and chat with them.
1: Did you ever do chat Roulette?
0: I did go on it a couple times when I was a teenager just to see. And, like, I never really talked to anyone. I just did it as, like, a joke to be like, oh, what will we see? And it's just, like, grainy photos of people. But it's weird because it's, like, other countries. There are some real pretty disgusting people that you have to flip back quick. Uh, it is an interesting phenomenon, I will say that. I did find it good how they used it in this movie. It
1: was a fun... It, the movie needed some levity. Yeah. At this point, and Chat Roulette certainly provides that. Yeah, it was, and that's exactly what it was like. I think it portrayed Chat Roulette very um, <laughs> accurately. accurately I think even the girl, she does find someone to call 911 in the end to go to Jess's house. They don't make it in time. Uh, but even the girl in her response, she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever use it? No, I've never used <laughs> too does much it. Does it still mess. exist? Should we see? I don't know, what we could see later. Like, we do it right now? <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> I wonder.
0: Oh, oh my god. So, yeah, this happens, and then she doesn't get in time, obviously, because she's
1: got the straightener down the throat. Gets, and it's still steaming. It is like, yeah. And I think she's also in the bathtub. It's like she shoved it down her throat and then also got in the bathtub and electrocuted herself. It was overkill. Oh my god, this is happening. Oh, I don't know. Do
0: I? I don't want to grant it access to my. <laughs> is that <camera>. your work phone? <laughs> <fun? laughs> no, <laughs> it's mine. But I don't want this like switch webcam on. I don't know. It is still live though, guys. If you didn't want to, it has an Instagram account. Oh, that's fun. So this so, is so with the times. It has two million monthly users, guys. Hashtag chat A hundred and
1: thirty-five followers on Instagram. Oh,
0: this can't be real. No, it's definitely th- not. All right, so yeah, I'm not. Clickiness. But it is
1: like two from the site. I don't know who I are these men. They can't well, do it, guys. Anyways, exploring your own time. It's still there. Take the. I we don't
0: recommend taking the risk, but if you do, oh no! It just joined in January of twenty twenty Twitter. They connect people. Do you think they're coming back? I feel like they might be making a comeback.
1: Why not? <laughs> there are no rules to society anyway the Wild West. So back to unfriended. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Laura wants Blair and Mitch to confess who uploaded the Laura Barnes Kill Yourself video. So Blair, who this whole time has been talking to Laura via Facebook, has denied constantly that her friend group had anything to do with it, which she's still doing up to this point, and Laura kind of pushes her on it. She sells Mitch out. And then he immediately kills himself. He stabs himself in the face with the knife he was threatening her with in the beginning.
0: And it's like, for someone who just moments ago basically sacrificed another person for Mitch's life, she's pretty quick to be like, it was him.
1: Well, I think also she, on that um, online forum that talks about the possession and says don't respond, it also says the only way to, like, get rid of it is to tell the truth. Yeah. So I do wonder how much she means to sell him out and how much she thinks she's going to save him uh, if she confesses it. But it is, it is misleading because I think she set, tells him. We haven't done it. And then it's in the side channel. She sells him out. She's she's really out for herself at this point. Right. So he kills himself. Laura thinks Blair. She tells her, that must have been so hard for you. But she reminds Blair that she's not innocent either. And she begins to play a video. The the Laura Barnes Kill Yourself video. And at the end of what we've seen so far, it flips around to show that Blair was the one who was filming it, and she says something like, I finally got her. At this point Blair's laptop screen slams shut and a dark forum lunges at her and ends the movie. And that is unfriended. No friends left. <laughs> <laughs> no friends left behind. <laughs> no alive friends. So... What do these two movies have in common?
0: I feel like they're... I mean, obviously there's tons of differences, but I feel like they're like a progression of the way we think about the internet.
1: Yeah. Actually, there is a quote... So when I started looking at um, criticism of Unfriended, there is a really interesting quote I found in the verse that I think applies really well to both movies. And it is... Of all the fantasies that Hollywood serves up for us every week, there is one myth that is the most consistently unrealistic across genres, budgets, and countries of origin—our supposedly casual relationships with computers. Most film and television, no matter the story being told, offers a vision of a world in which humans and developed societies are only at a computer two, three minutes a day. It's a disbelief we suspend almost without thinking about it, for good reason Watching someone go about their daily business on a computer or smartphone is not very entertaining. This is the one resounding success of Unfriended, an otherwise routine horror film that hits theaters today. It actually looks like our lives for better or worse. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I definitely think, like, especially knowing that um, You've Got Mail was an update of an earlier rom-com shop around the corner. I think it's trying really hard to be like, oh, this is the rom com of the times. This is what's real. This is how people are meeting, especially if like even outside of computers, the way it leans into, Starbucks and corporations, it feels like it's trying really hard to showcase that world. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think, with Unfriended, you like we're in. It was twenty fourteen when this when that came out, Mm -hmm. and it is. Oh, you're in the you're literally in the internet for the entire movie and that's even, you know, still today obviously. But in nineteen ninety eight it's like, hey, what was new? And it's like, what is this unknown thing? And it still felt like very like supplementary to our lives at that time so like at that time it was maybe maybe still more than two to three minutes honestly but you were online less you went online two to three minutes to sign off yeah well gotta get off I spent my two to three minutes (laughs) well when AOL first came on you only had like five hours a month like that was like the original AOL plan was like you installed it you got five free hours a month and then you had to pay by like the minute or something
1: so like and it's he, crazy. Yeah, even when she goes in, uh, Meg Ryan, Kathleen goes into her shop and she's talking to the shop girl and boy there. They're asking, "Is it George?". I think it's George. Yeah, the friend, Steve Zahn. But they, they're like, "Are you online?". Like it's not even some a point where like you could assume everyone is. It's like, is this something you've tried yet? <laughs> it was like a <laughs> new like counterculture. Like,
0: oh, are you online? <laughs> But it's funny, because it's like, you went online, like, now we're just online all the time.
1: But I remember, like, asking people that, too, growing up, like, do you have a screen name? Whereas now it's, what's your email? Like, everyone has one. Now it's like, what's your name? I'll find you. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Give me some basic details about you, and I can find you on the internet. Initials,
1: birthday, and social security number. (laughs) Just to get started. (laughs) But, like, at the time, it was, like, people just thought it was some fad. Like,
0: 1998, it's, like, what is this thing? Like, is this going to catch on? Like, I don't,
1: you know, yeah. this
0: is just a passing phase.
1: Well, I think it's it's really interesting to note in the period of just, like, 15 years how much the tone and perspective on technology and what it can offer could change. Because in You've Got Mail, they're so optimistic about what it has to offer, and Greg Kinnear's character Frank, who's who's the one who's kind of calling out what has technology done for us? Do you think this machine is your friend? Is meant to look like paranoid, like what do they call him a kook? Yeah, the the, the kook of the Daily News or he whatever. Right the Observer. Oh, the like, Observer. Yeah,
0: he's supposed to be like the the paranoid
1: yeah. conspiracy theorist. Whereas now, like all of the news is dominated by like we're hackers, like. Interfering in politics, like yes. they, that, would have been laughable at this period in time. Yeah, no, he's making the most sense in this entire movie. He's sure. the hero of the story from today's age.
0: <laughs> he's made he, you know, put po- politics aside. Greg Kinnear is making some good points
1: in this movie. His his skepticism is is justified for sure, and I think also, you know, the movies not necessarily saying that having these big corporations like Fox Books is great, but it's not really villainizing them either. It certainly comes around to it in the end and we're supposed to like Tom Hanks, even though he could put this small business out of business and Greg Kinnear and Parker Posey, I think even, are kind of fighting for 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 small business and they, they're supposed to come across paranoid. Yeah, well it's like all these, so you have you
0: know, small child bookstore owner who's, like, passionate about books. You have Parker Posey who's, like, a literary agent or an editor of some kind. Is she an agent? I think she's an agent. I think she's an editor. Agent or editor. She works in the book business. you got got uh, Greg Kinnear. He's a Frank. writer. <laughs> Frank. It's the only character we call by his character name. <laughs> Frank, who's a writer, and Tom Hanks, who owns the Fox Book Superstore. So the only one who's kind of... Not in the literary world is, like, this, like, big business bookstore where the person who works in the child's book department doesn't even know anything about the shoe books. How could you not know about the shoe books?
1: That and that person is Christmasina.
0: It's still my favorite Easter egg. I honestly don't even think I realized it was Christmasina. Christmasina is one of those faces where he just blends in and you don't realize until you realize. He's like a magic eye picture. I don't
1: think I... I think... I don't think I would have picked up on it, except for the fact that, so we went to see Birds of Prey, which so Chris, good. Christmasina has a leading role in, and then I went home from watching that and finished You've Got Mail, and 10 minutes into starting it up again is that scene, and I was like, oh, it's Christmasina, it's baby Christmasina, get away from him children, he's not a good man. <laughs> well, I'm, sh- I'm sure in real life he is, his character in Birds of Prey is not great. He's, He's like, (laughs) less
0: slimy. Like, as an actor, I feel like his resume must say, like, less slimy Jeremy Piven.
1: He's, (laughs) I feel like he's got, like, a a pretty good range. Because I've seen him play some, like, he played creepy well in Birds of Prey. Definitely, yeah. yeah, Uh, But then I've also seen him in, like, The Mindy Project. I feel like he's overall a good guy, but he's got, like, Some slimy points, and then, in a way we go, he's this, like, real stand-up dad, your character, who's there for his wife, who can never get pregnant, and adopts all these kids. And it's believable in every single one of those versions.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like he can play bad guy, good guy, but it always... It never... It it doesn't feel slimy to me. Like, even in Birds of Prey, he was a bad guy, but he didn't feel slimy, he just felt evil. He felt... Disturbed, yeah, disturbed like dark, yeah. But he didn't feel like slimy. You and McGregor felt a little slimy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was it the suits?
0: It <laughs> felt a lot slimy. It was the fa- the peeling off of the faces, I mm. think, that really caught me. Yeah, that, that could be it. <laughs> um,
1: anyway, we won't spoil Birds of Prey. That is go well. see it. Support female filmmakers, <laughs> girl power. Woohoo, where were we?
0: corporations and meg ryan in 1998
1: (laughs) that hair (laughs) such meg ryan hair yeah but but i i think it definitely is very optimistic about the promise of technology and forward progress which in current times a lot of what they are glamorizing big business the internet are now things that are publicly suspect (laughs) And and disliked, and and things that people think it's in their interest to try to work against and dismantle. And especially even jumping ahead 15 years to when you go from, oh my god, I met a guy in a chat room, how fun, to someone being bullied on the internet to the point where they take their own life, which although Unfriended is fictionalized, is a real life scenario that's happened. Yeah, I mean, if you look on like internet movie database
0: or other like... You know summaries of this movie that you'll see online. A lot of people do say it's based on a couple of real life similar bullying cases, which I don't. I don't like that. And Tara mentioned that she noticed that it wasn't. It was completely fictional.
1: Well, that they they put a very big disclaimer at the end of. I mean, every fiction movie has it of like any resemblance to people or events is a coincidence. They stated on it. For a really long time, and put it at the beginning of the credits, and centered mm-hmm. it. But I again, only made that, that, that don't sue us. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so it's not you. That that doesn't mean they didn't take inspiration from anywhere. It just means they're trying to distance themselves from it. Yeah, which I really don't like because this is a horror movie, and yeah, like I, let's not attach it to a real life tragedy. But but to that point though, like having lived through both of these time periods, I do think. D- <laughs> The supernatural possession part aside, the internet presented and in Unfriended feels real in a way that the one in You've Got Mail never does. It always feels like a little bit of a fantasy. Even though I think people were optimistic about it back then and the dangers weren't known yet, I don't think anyone was jumping around to be left alone with their computer.
0: Yeah, I definitely think you're right. I get in my head because I like, want to be
1: sensitive to suicide. I don't know, like... Well, yeah. And I I think that's one thing. I I think that's a good question of how well Unfriended walks that line between... Because it does, at the end of the day, uh, you don't feel bad for any of the characters that get murdered. It's very clear they all played a very significant role in bullying this girl. They don't have remorse and none of them are owning up to responsibility so in that way, I do feel like it's not making light of it and making a point. But then again, um, it's not a super serious movie. That's the thing that
0: I think gets me and I struggle with is it is it is a very serious topic. It's not a very serious movie. And kind of ra- like making sense of those two things at the same time is kind of conflicting in my brain, because yeah. at one point it is kind of like a, it, the movie has kind of some elements of it that are definitely just, like, playing for the scares, playing mm-hmm. for, like, Um. but it is a super serious thing, so it's kind of trying to, like, ref, uh, make sense of those two things at the same time.
1: Yeah, um, and I, yeah, I, I definitely think how well it walks that line is is up for debate.
0: I mean, I think where it succeeds the most for me is the format of it. Mm-hmm. I think having an entire movie take place in a computer and have it feel so natural and so, un you know, you're never really taken out of the action. And I think it's like, it works really well bringing you into the
1: movie. And I think in that way, the supernatural element really does work well because it gives the internet this mind of its own. In which, like, I was watching it, seeing things pop up on Facebook and you want to click to other windows and close them and you just feel powerless. And it really is, like, it only takes one click for something to go out there that you can never take back. And the movie makes you feel that and feel powerless in a way that I think is reflective of the Mm. dangers of of the internet today. Definitely. I think maybe part of my, like, how
0: unapologetic these dirtbags in the movie were, like, Mm -hmm. how they were never, and I guess that pros and cons towards the, you know, how this works in the movie, but it's, you know, they are not redeemable at all, like, none of the characters, not even the final girl, especially not the final girl, um, so you really don't feel bad when they get killed, I mean, that's, every human life is, is (laughs) special, but you do not feel bad in this movie watching this person, these people, like, Get
1: killed. Yeah. But but to to that point as well, it has some sort of morality in that sense. It does create this tone that I think underlines the gravity of the situation it's representing. But I couldn't tell you one big moral lesson from this movie or point it's trying to make other than playing with this format and with this concept.
0: Right, because it's saying don't bully, but it's not saying don't bully because it's wrong. It's saying don't bully because a demon might possess
1: your computer and right fuck with you. And so much more of the movie seems to focus on how can we have these visually shocking deaths as opposed to driving in that message um, that it doesn't feel like the focus... <laughs> Right, and it is about they. They're all at each other's
0: throats. It, the it's more about the relationships between these five characters than it really is with the relationship between any of these characters and Laura. I mean, I yeah. guess Blair
1: and Laura's relationship is is kind of like addressed a little bit. Oh yeah, they start to get into it, which um, I actually thought that scene was very interesting and in how it was done because we see. Blair, so Blair and Laura used to be friends. She's talking to Mitch and she's trying to defend Laura a little bit because Mitch says, uh, you know, Laura was a bitch. Um, And we see Laura start to type out, well, she had stuff going on at home and then she deletes it and she goes, when we were younger, her uncle or something, and then deletes it. And she simply, she ends up just writing family stuff and sending it. Yeah. But when you know, like, from Mitch's point of view, that's just, three dots for a minute, and then two words, and he seems to understand exactly what that means. Like, I thought that was one of the more nuanced exchanges that they managed to do well. But they they don't build off of that. They they don't go into, they try to give you some understanding for Laura's character, and then they really don't create the context that created the situation. And also, that makes it
0: worse in the end, that that uh, Blair had this information about Laura and knew kind of why she was having some trouble. Yeah. And then also was the person that filmed her, you know. Yeah. She's the one who knew why Laura was struggling. Yeah. So I think that actually kind of makes Laura's character, I mean, Blair's character less, even less likable than she already was, which was not very likable. Yeah. But, yeah, I think what you said about the, you know, the way you have the three dots in the... It was very realistic in the way people type. There were typos. Mm-hmm. They were typing with typos. They were...
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I, I really thought that was... Because a lot of... There is a struggle <laughs> with internet movies where everything is so perfect. Yeah. And so I really appreciated that. Internet
1: movies, like, you've got my own.
0: Well, funny you say that, <laughs> because there is that scene where they're instant messaging, and Tom Hanks is typing a 500-word thesis yeah.
1: as one message, like a monster. It was like a, i I'm sorry, I'll never get over this. As much as I think You've Got Mail does want to be the movie that represents modern life in this way, by, you know, instead of having that quirky New York coffee shop is like, they went to Starbucks, it's the real world, and, like, they met online... It's a super romanticized version of that for exactly that. Like they're writing these eloquent messages back and forth and they're having these beautiful, they never take the subway. They're they're having these beautiful glamorous walking scenes from, uh, I think they live at like 112th Street Mm down to 72nd. Which, for those of you who don't live in New York, that is not a distance you would walk to work every morning. You take the subway, get on at Columbia, go down to 72nd, it's three stops, you're fine. Need directions, you asked <laughs> But I did think it was really funny what it decided to lean into and think it was for thinking for. Forward, and then the things it just romanticized and, and gave up on for the visual aesthetic of balancing it. So one thing I think that these movies have in
0: common is this discussion of the impact cheating has. Mm. Which is, like, interesting because in You've Got male these two characters are clearly
1: cheating. Oh, yeah. It's so interesting to me how both of them have conversations saying, it's not cheating, like, I'm not doing anything wrong, I don't even know this person. And I think at the time that probably was at first for debate. But by today's standards, what they're doing is so undoubtedly cheating. It is a hundred percent cheating. Well, emotional cheating. I I don't know. I always feel like I need to distinguish between emotional cheating and cheating.
0: I feel like you. We do need to distinguish, but at the same time, I feel like to a certain extent, cheating is cheating. Yeah. I mean, like I don't. I think there is a difference between the you know bringing the physical into it, but at the end of the day, if you're invested in another person.
1: To the point where when someone asks you if you're in love, you only answer in response to that person and literally forget about the man you're living with. Yeah, that's a red flag.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so you have these two, it's a rom-com too, so it's supposed to be like super romantic and it's like, no, these are two super seedy, sketchy
1: individuals carrying on an illicit online affair, but okay. I think in general that's one thing that like is prevalent in rom-coms of like the 80s and 90s is that people who are in relationships with partners who are deemed to be unworthy, their cheating is somehow excused and we're supposed to feel bad for them and feel like they're escaping something. Whereas today, I do think there's generally more nuance in those situations where it's kind of like, no matter how poor of a fit your current relationship is, you, you just you owe it to them like like get out of that relationship then before yeah like like just don't be in it <laughs> well also it's like the characters that
0: they're with are not like reprehensible characters maybe they're not a yeah. good fit for them but they're fine people i mean like you have frank who's you know a little quirky he has his quirks so then you have you know parker posey who's a little bit you know she's She's like, like a, knows what she wants, which is like a positive thing, unless you're someone like yeah. Tom Hanks, who needs to be the one who's, you know,
1: I'm a expert businessman. Yeah. I, this movie played today would definitely, Greg Kinnear would be the hero, and I think Parker Posey would be too. Like, she's this very, like, blunt, ambitious woman who knows what she wants, and why does she have to adhere to these feminine standards that Meg Runt... Meg Ryan does. Right. And Ooh. I think we should get a
0: sequel to You've Got Mail where Frank and... Oh, I'd so much rather watch this movie. Frank and Parker... Po- I don't remember Parker Posey's character's name. I
1: don't either.
0: Frank and Parker Posey's character fall in love. And live
1: happily ever after. They have their moment at the party. They do. And I want to see like the continuation of that. Yeah. I, I did appreciate...
0: Um, it could be called re colon you've got mail.
1: <laughs> Forward. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> My boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I did appreciate though the. To, I mean, the breakup scene was weird for what we've discussed before with like starting dinner with yeah. the breakup. But I do kind of appreciate the fact that they had like both of them like, I don't love you oh my god, I don't love you either, and it wasn't this, like, horrendous thing that neither of them felt that way. They were both just kind of, and then, like, we tried it, it didn't work, and, like, let's move on. Yeah. It reminded me of, um, I know you don't like this movie, but it's <laughs> Someone Great, I thought it was really interesting how they contrasted Britney Snow's breakup with, um, like, what's the main character? I forget her name. She's so good. Because I didn't like this movie. <laughs> but but the, the, so like the main character's breakup is devastating. And it's more like, they've they fallen apart over time, but they have this like real connection and she's falling apart. And then you have Brittany Snow's character and her boyfriend, they're both just kind of like, you're not, ha- I'm not happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, let's not do this anymore. And it's Actually, not a thing. Actually, Brittany, the friend, I really liked
0: Brittany Snow and I really liked the other friend in something great, too, someone great too. Yeah, it had its
1: it had its moments that I liked. I just didn't like it overall. But but I did appreciate to go back to You've Got Mail that nuance and like she's not necessarily falling apart from the breakup and it's like the mutuality. Showing like different ways a relationship can happen and fall apart. Definitely. But she could have done it before she cheated. And she had, both of them. Both of knew them knew they were not happy in those relationships right. and shouldn't have waited to fall in love with someone else to have made that move. Right, and like,
0: so they're cheating, and then you have an unfriended scenario
1: where. <laughs> Remember that other movie we're talking about? <laughs> like, full, to- full Toaster comparison. <laughs> that was a good segue, though, right? <laughs> it was really good.
0: <laughs> so, in Unfriended, you have Blair who's cheating on Mitch with Adam, and it's kind of exposed by uh, Laura slash Billy. And you know there is video involved, and there's all these things, and she's, you know, apologetic, and she's telling you know him, don't watch the video, and you kind of like get this whole like she's clearly
1: has lied to him all this time. I do really find your point interesting. Of like, she seems to know about the video, and and what does that say? Because I I even the video sounds horrible. But it looks like she's unconscious in the beginning. In the be- so I had that same thought, but then she
0: like sits up. So she's yeah. definitely conscious in it. But yeah, we don't know. So there's this it, it, video. It does leave it a little questionable since she knows and Yeah. So like, you know, the entity, Billy, Laura, whatever, plays this video of her having sex with Adam and she does not act surprised. And it's like, shouldn't if you saw a, a
1: tape you didn't know existed, yeah. I would be
0: freaking
1: Oh. Yeah. She's very even This is one of those things where I'm like, do we give the movie credit for writing it that way, or (laughs) is it just not (laughs) well-written? It's a toss-up, but it works. Whatever it was, I guess, was kind
0: of like, oh. I mean, I guess, because they're already freaking out, so if she was also freaking out about the video too. I don't I don't think it would have, like, there would have been too much things she's freaking out about.
1: But it would have, because I feel like the whole point of that game and that scene is to start turning them all against each other. So if Laura's playing a sex tape that Adam made that Blair didn't know about, that absolutely meets that goal. So it, it would have been in line with that and kind of fit in. But also, but. if she did
0: know, she would have been the dirtbag we come to know her as, someone Mm -hmm. who not only cheated on her boyfriend, but let the other guy film it. I don't know. I mean, I think either way, the movie eventually exposes her and everyone else as being shitty people. Yeah. But what makes someone, like, I mean, (laughs) there's no excuse for cheating. The video doesn't make
1: it any worse. It's just already bad. I do think that um, out of all the cheating scenarios, she is the one who is most conscious that what she's done is cheating. Because, as apparent to us currently, as it is that uh, both Kathleen and Joe were cheating, I do think that their characters were not clear on that.
0: Yeah, which I almost think. We also, so then another big difference is in You've Got Male, the characters are in their 30s, and in Unfriended, the characters are supposed to be in like seniors in high school. Right. So, you would expect more from the 30-something-year-olds, you would think. I mean, I don't know. But you would expect them to kind of be like,
1: oh, I have feelings for someone else. And I'm... So, have a little bit more of emotional intelligence. Yeah. yeah. Especially, like, pre-internet society where you had to talk to people and people Ew. actually had, Ew. like, emotional intelligence. <laughs> talk to people. Social skill.
0: know, gross. And uh, yeah, I lo- I haven't skyped in so long, but I do like how they have like the like the video goes in and out. and It's like b- yeah. buffering, and it's just shitty. And you're like, it makes you so much more afraid because you can't really see, and it distorts their faces, and their faces look all fucked up. And you're like, oh yeah. my god. And it gets
1: more and more as it as it goes on yeah. too. Yeah, it, it is definitely interesting that like um, cheating is one of the core. <laughs> Themes at the the movies we're focusing on, where the general connection is the internet. Hmm. Do you think that's a coincidence, or do you think? Oh, absolutely not. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, th- I, I think it's hard to make a movie about internet and communication where identity and your online identity versus your public ident- or personal identity, um, like what you want people to see versus who you are. Isn't a theme as well, and that just lends itself to cheating and lying. It's interesting
0: that in you've got mail the cheating occurs on the internet. Mm. in an unfriended, the cheating occurs in real life but is ex- exposed on the internet. So it's kind of like cheating plays the internet plays a different role in the two cheating experiences.
1: Oh, that's really true. Because to, to that point as well, I think... In Joe and Kathleen's mind, at least. And there's a little bit of an argument for this, but I think their conversation does start out, like, kind of pen-pally and curious. And it crosses the line before they meet in person, but the time it really crosses the line is, like, when she's trying to meet him in person while still being in a relationship, and he's going as well. Um, so, yeah, the line crossing does happen. Offline as well?
0: I mean, a line is crossed in both movies. Physical cheating is worse, but both 30-year-olds who know, should know better cheating is probably also yeah. worse. I don't know. They're both pretty bad.
1: And it's like... I think... I don't want to say one's worse than the other. I mean, within the context of these movies, I think Blair's physical cheating is more manipulative, but I think, like, in the bigger picture of relationships, it's so much to do with, like, their, like, their emotional intelligence and the fact that they are 30 does make a difference. Um, and also the fact that, like, they're living with them and, and have gone yeah. to this point in the relationship. and
0: And, like, honestly, like, so cheating's a problem, but another huge problem that is maybe the biggest similarity of the two movies is how much of huge dirty liars all these people are in both movies. Um, I'm thinking mostly of Tom Hanks.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Like, sure, all the characters in Unfriended are really awful human beings, Mm -hmm.
1: but fucking Tom Hanks,
0: this is a romantic comedy, and you are acting like a goddamn monster.
1: Yeah, this is very much similar to, like, the Valentine's 16 Candles type situation, where, like, we're supposed to think this is funny. We're supposed to like him and empathize with him. Um. Yeah.
0: He purposely deceives her for half the movie. He finds out that she's shop girl maybe, like, halfway through. And then for the second half of the movie, just fucks with her about it. You know, purposely deceiving her, using the information he has about her to his advantage. So taking the information he's learned online Mm -hmm. and using it in his
1: human, like, relationship with her in real life. I mean, even just, like... The bare bones of that situation. Someone online whose identity you don't know learns to the trust they gain to know personal information about you and then uses that to develop a relationship with you in real life that you wouldn't have wanted otherwise. That's a crime scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: for sure Catfish is also yeah. a crime scene. And, like, I think what makes it even worse in the, in the way it's used in a rom-com is... They make it seem like he's doing it to, like, he's he's buying his time not telling her who he is because he wants her to like him for him, and he wants her to, you know, why doesn't she like me,
1: like, and I think that's... I, I think part of it, too, is that, like, he sees her reaction upon seeing... When, when they are, when she is trying to meet up with... Um, NYC 152 for the first time with her book and her rose and he comes in and he sees her reaction to him is so disappointed that like I don't think it's just about liking him for him I think it's about like just trying to buy enough time that when he reveals himself she literally will not run away (laughs) (laughs) that's actually that's a good point It's, it's like not even like does she like me it's like can I keep her in the same room long enough? <laughs> do,
0: so saying that, do you think that when he goes to see her in person, she, he doesn't want to go because he sees it's her, and then he goes in, do you think at that point he's like, I want her to eventually like me? Or at that point is he like, ew, Kathleen
1: Kelly's got cooties. Gross. I think I think he he's definitely interested in her at that point. And I think he goes in, I don't think he goes in... Just to fuck with her. I think his flirting style is negative, yeah. so he does fuck with her, but but I don't think his intention is just to make her feel bad. Aww. I think he is going in trying to, like, gauge her interest on, like, how does she respond if I show up and um, maybe I can come in and win the day if she thinks she's been stood up and I save her and... It goes horribly wrong, because he's an asshole, and his flirting <laughs> style is negging, but um, I, I, don't, I don't think he's just trying to mess with her. Oh, you're
0: such a romantic. I didn't know. <laughs> I've
1: never been accused of that before. Because, like, I
0: honestly <laughs> thought he did not, because, like, when Dave Chappelle's like, if you don't like Kathleen Kelly, you're not going to like this girl, and it's her, and he's like, ew, Catherine, Kathleen Kelly is
1: vile, or whatever, I don't know. But, but She's we... a kill, Yeah, that is. <laughs> But we do know that, like, he's interested in her, because that's the whole reason he lies in the first place, is he's clearly attracted to her ah. when he first goes into the shop. I thought it was just self-preservation. I just
0: didn't think he wanted to deal with her, oh. or, like giving him shit at that minute.
1: No, I read it like he had a low-key crush on her the I whole time. I think that's probably how it was meant to be read, to that's be honest. That's how Nora meant it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right, because otherwise the way I'm
0: reading it is not a movie anyone would want to watch.
1: as <laughs> a horror movie.
0: It is just, like, Tom Hanks being a creep, <laughs> and then her being like, so, eh. so many of this movies, in hindsight, are creepy, though. So true. But, like, you know, the lying is, like horrible. Like even if even yeah. if his end goal is, you know, is like he has the best intentions, his, you know, methods is pretty unforgivable for me and I think that's similar to Unfriended. Mm-hmm. Basically the whole the whole gist of Unfriended is just like that website for internet ghosts mm-hmm. tells you like telling the truth will set you free or whatever. It's like yeah. the lie that really
1: gets them. And I, I think that's one interesting thing uh, Unfriended plays with, is that we we trust Blair more in the beginning. We lose trust in her as we go through. So I think, I don't know about you, but I did think she was telling the truth and confessing to things as it yeah. went on. And then we when we got to the end and it's revealed she's hiding the most hideous bit of it all, it was like, well, okay, yeah, bye, bitch. You're gonna die now. like you, you didn't do any of what I said. Um, and I think that yeah, you you're right. Both of them if they had heeded that warning, if they had just done the right thing even though it was the difficult thing in that first instant, they would have been fine. We wouldn't have movies, but that's mm. fine. <laughs>
0: But so like did it did it turn out fine for I mean supposedly it turned out okay for Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan
1: right? Like they ended
0: up together. This
1: is like the Disney movie argument where it's like they should all have moms, but if they had moms, none of these plots would happen. Be <laughs> 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 like, solved immediately. That's so true. Oh. Little Mermaid, if she had a mom, no plot. Like we're fine. <laughs> You're right. <laughs>
0: So, what do you think happens to Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks after this? After the. I think ending?
1: he nags her and gaslights her her entire life, and they live happily. Well, they live ever after. <laughs> I like to think they have a
0: daughter, and then that daughter becomes one of the characters in a <laughs> Because the timing would work out, like, 1998-ish. It does look like she could be their daughter. Oh my god, you're right. So maybe this is a low-key sequel to You've Got Mail. I'm going to choose to read it that way. And, like, the internet comes back to haunt them. Like, the, the place where they met becomes, like, the demise of their child.
1: They're divorced, and the internet spun into this negative spiral where it's uh. going to hurt anyone who goes on <laughs> it because Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks couldn't make it work. <laughs> if Tom Hanks
0: and Meg Ryan can't make it work, well,
1: there's probably still hope for everybody. Yeah, we're going to be fine. They shouldn't be together.
0: <laughs> so once again, we're going to break down the lessons we learned watching these movies. And honestly, I feel like one of them is don't broadcast yourself on the internet.
1: Oh. So... I guess I shouldn't have spent eight hours editing this podcast
0: <laughs> <again>. <laughs> Oh, wow. It well,
1: was fun while it lasted. Sometimes you just gotta learn the hard way. Yeah. Uh, what else? How about having three numbers in a screen name is a little bit like having three names. You're probably a serial killer, just statistically speaking.
0: It sounds scientific to me,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: How about don't talk to strangers on the internet? Solid.
1: I, yeah. I
0: mean, it's, I'll have no dating Ooh, life, but
1: to learn oh, girl, <laughs> I would have had no relationships in my life. <laughs> Those are the breaks. I mean, times are hard. Yeah, so I think that is it. I think that's the lesson of the day. Don't talk to strangers on the internet. Everyone, write that down. It's a rule to live by.
0: Take notes. You heard it here from mm-hmm. us on the internet and. <laughs> Ooh, touche. Don't talk to us, though. I'm just kidding. Please talk to us. We want people to listen to us, and we're very friendly, we swear. So which movie do you think teaches this lesson better?
1: honestly, you've got mail so bad. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be. I, like, I feel like that's, there's an argument to be made for sure. So unfriended, they're suspicious of strangers on the internet. But where she goes wrong is, like, she's explicitly told in the forums, like, not to engage, and she ignores it. But I think, like, You've Got Mail, they're just, I don't know, they're just fucking clueless, and it's, I think in Unfriended, it goes horribly wrong, but there's a level, <laughs> this is horrible sight of cynicism, but I think's the right attitude, or skepticism towards approaching the internet, whereas You've Got Mail, they're just like, he could have flipped that on her, so he could
0: have been the rooftop killer. Yeah, and then, so then the next 16 years after that movie, a lot of them ended up being the rooftop killers, and then we got skeptical. (laughs) And we were like, oh, the internet,
1: maybe not.
0: Um, I think I'm gonna say
1: Unfriended, because I... That's fair, I'm just bitter. I mean, no, I I respect (laughs) the... I'm still bitter I didn't get to watch Titanic when I was eight.
0: (laughs) 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 I've never seen Titanic. Are you fucking kidding me? I've never seen Titanic, and it came out when I was, like, at peak age that, like, my friends were fucking obsessed with Titanic. I have a best friend who's seen Titanic, like, maybe,
1: like, six times in the movie theater. Amanda, I am shooketh. I am shooketh to my core that this needs to be the next pairing we do somehow. You have to watch Titanic. All right, fine. I definitely will watch it for
0: this podcast and this podcast only.
1: Titanic and a an adventure. It's happening. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, I'm in. Let's do it.
0: Uh, which, so, like, overall, which movie do you think you enjoyed watching more? Unfriended, hands down. Yeah. I, I have to agree with you there, for sure. <laughs> that It was just a good movie. I liked watching it. You've Got Mail is so long. It took me... Two nights to watch, seriously. You've got me on, what are you doing? You're not a Star
1: Wars movie. Like, I don't understand why you need to be two hours long. It's not Harry Potter. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but Unfriended, it's, you know, for all the problems it has with its plot, its messaging, it's fun to watch. And it's quick, it takes you through, it it builds quickly, and I think that's almost its benefit. You don't think things are going to happen so fast, and it's just...
0: It's, it's a fun time. It's, yeah, it's only, like, 120-something minutes, and it is...
1: Oh, it's less than that. Sorry,
0: it's one hour and 20-something minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I see, like, one
1: I, yeah. numbers,
0: I just, like... I read had it to, like, like ingrain it into
1: my mind after watching too many, like, long movies. I didn't want to be a part of, like, <laughs> do the math, Terrence. not what it. you think it is.
0: I see three numbers, and just, like, a serial killer with three numbers, <laughs> I'm like, must be... it. <laughs> And yeah, I agree. Definitely
1: Unfriended was the better movie. Yeah. Um, which movie did you think was more feminist? Unfriended.
0: No. I don't know. That's hard. I want to say Unfriended so quickly because I don't think You've Got Mail was a feminist movie at all. No. But Unfriended for 2014 wasn't very feminist either. Like, I, I don't think in 2014 having a movie where the three female leads not counting Laura who was the ghost like the other three female leads were like basically at each other's throats the whole time
1: mhm but so are the guys so that's to true. Unfriended's credit I don't think it treats the guys any better than it treats the girls that's a good that's a solid point um, I will say about Unfriended I do think that the female characters in the movie have more of an impact on the plot than the female characters in You've Got Male. I think Kathleen is very influenced by what Joe wants her to do, and when she's fighting Joe, very influenced, well, still by what Joe wants her to do, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also by Frank. I don't think she makes a ton of decisions on her own. No, I definitely... impacts the plot. And in that way, I think yeah. Unfriended probably has an edge. Yeah. Because it's Blair and Laura that are mainly impacting the plot.
0: I would agree. It definitely passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> it's so hard yeah, because they're just talking about, like, surviving. <laughs> Call the police! <laughs> yeah, there you go, <laughs> Yeah, so for that reason and that reason only, I will give I. Unfunded. I mean, it's not like either of them are it was a, it's feminist hard.
1: manifestos. <laughs> yeah, it was. it's hard, but definitely not You've Got Mail, for sure. Yeah, that's about it for this episode. If you enjoyed listening to us... Please rate and review the show wherever you get podcasts.
0: Or we'll possess your computer and share your deepest, darkest secrets. Just kidding! (laughs) Until next
1: time, I'm Amanda. And I'm Tara. And remember, all is fair in love. And gore. Goodbye! Bye!